I begin, we just want to take a time to pray right now. Last night in Orlando, there was another mass shooting. Many people killed, many people taken to the hospital. They're investigating it, whether or not it was a terrorist attack. So we need to pray as the people of God. So I'm going to ask Lee, let's, let's just, can we just stand up for a minute? Let, let's begin to encounter God. Let, let's war on behalf of this nation uh, and on behalf of those who have lost loved ones today. Lord, we lift up those people in Orlando to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, you are Lord and you are bigger, Father, than even this whole situation and circumstance. But we know that there are people hurting, God. We know that there are families that are broken. We know, Lord, that this um, senseless act of violence has left people mourning and grieving, God, in deep sorrow and sadness. So God, I ask that you come like a mighty rushing wind and that you would bring a supernatural comfort and peace to your people, God. Father, they belong to you. No matter what walk of life they are walking right now, they all belong to you, Jesus. You love them with an everlasting love. So I ask that you would pour out your mercy and that even in this time of sadness and darkness that it would be turned around for your glory, God. That it would be turned around as that they would know, God, that you are the Lord. That they would call out to you. That when they ask why, that they would be flooded with a sense of your presence, God. And Father, I ask, Lord, that you would just help Orlando, God. Help the hospitals. Help every doctor. Help every nurse, God. Give, be, let them be well-staffed, Father, to be able to take on um, everything that's happening right now, Father. And God, we ask for just a hedge of protection, Lord. We ask you, Father, that you would be merciful, Father. We ask um, that you would come and that we understand that we live in a fallen world, but we understand that we can put our trust in you and we understand that we don't have to bow to the spirit of fear. We understand that Orlando in Florida does not have to bow to the spirit of fear. So I declare that the spirit of fear has not won because you are bigger than the spirit of fear. You are bigger than the spirit of fear. So I command that spirit of fear to be bound in Jesus' name. I declare that we will trust in you. I declare that we will be a people that when tragedy happens, that we will rise up and that we will be able to be those people who will conquer fear and we won't be able to, we won't bow to it and we won't um, succumb to it, but we will just rise up and we will call you blessed in the midst of darkness. And so, Lord, I just, just pray for that, the comfort, God, even the churches, even the churches in Orlando. God, I ask that you would um, just quicken them, Father, that they would just um, provide spiritual um, relief and relief in any way that they know how, Lord God, to these families, um, that they would reach out in a, in, a, in a way, Father, that they never have, that they're not used to. Equip them, multiply grace over them, Father, and keep them, Father, keep them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I'm continuing in Pastor George's series called Following Peter. We've been going through the life of Peter that's shown in the Bible. But before I do that, I just want to tell you a story that I heard. No, this is a true story, Derek. I don't know, I don't know where you get making these faces over there. But I heard a story about these two guys who argued their whole life. They were going back and forth for, for years and years, arguing whether Jesus was white or Jesus was black. And they fought and argued. And it just so happened that they both died around the same time. 
they, came, they got up to heaven, and as soon as they got up there, they saw St. Peter at the gate, and they asked him, we've been arguing for, for 30 years, and we want to know for sure, is Jesus white or is he black? All of a sudden, Jesus comes walking by, looks at them, and says, buenos dias. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked in New Jersey, but that's a good one for the Bronx. <laughs> so I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 2, which is one, probably the last time that Peter is mentioned in the New Testament. And there was a battle going on, where? Right in the church, right in the house of God, because there were people who came into the church who the scripture calls Judaizers. The Judaizers were Jews who said they believed in Jesus, but they didn't like Paul, the message that Paul the apostle was teaching. They didn't like that message of the love and the grace of God. So they had a totally different message. They taught that in order to be pleasing to God, that you still have to keep all the religious laws, the rules, the traditions, whether or not you were Jew or a Gentile. A Gentile in the scripture just means someone who's not Jewish. So whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, in order to have salvation, a man still had to be circumcised. And if you don't know what that word means, Josh is going to be out in the lobby after the service, and he'll explain it to you. Thanks, Josh. Because I ain't touching that one. <laughs> See, and those rules had nothing to do with godliness, nothing to do with the power of God. It was all about what kind of food you were. They argued, can you eat pork chops or can you not eat pork chops? Can women wear pants? Can we only worship this day? Do we worship Saturday or do we worship Sunday? When do we light the candle? See, none of this is in the word of God as anything of significance. The scripture said that what's significant is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. But see, these were people coming in trying to put rules on people. They taught God's love is great, but you have to earn it. And here they came into the church of Antioch, which is one that Paul had helped to establish, and they were causing trouble. They were saying, you see that Paul, what he's teaching, that grace teaching? He said, they said, grace of God is not enough. If you want to make it into heaven, here's a list of rules to follow, and you add that to the grace. But what did it say in Galatians chapter 2? Going down to verse 16, Paul said, We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. You're never going to be able to please God in your own strength. 
If I only pray long enough, if I only do enough good things, if I come to church as many days a week as I can, then God will love me. What did Paul say? It's a free gift. Don't let anybody put that bondage on you, Paul said. It's by faith through grace that we are saved, not by our works. We do good works. We walk before God in holiness, not in order to win his love, but because he first loved us. Well, let me put that in modern-day terms, what these guys would say if they came into this church today. They would start telling you that women have to, can't wear pants or makeup, they can't go sleeveless, and all these men with jeans, you better start putting your suit on, and if somebody comes into the church with a hat, we're going to throw them out. I've seen that happen through the years. You can't eat or you can't eat or drink coffee in the church. I don't know what scripture they got that from. Make sure there's no dancing in the service and don't get too emotional. You see, those are all the rules of man that are nowhere in the scripture. And if anyone doesn't follow these rules, you know what these guys do? They label you. They begin to gossip against you. They point fingers. You become known as the, per as the woman who goes sleeveless. Oh, you see how they dress? You see, God is not in that. If anyone's ever said that to you, I break it off right now in Jesus' name. God doesn't judge you by your clothes, by which day you choose to worship. He doesn't judge you by things like lighting candles. He doesn't look at the men in the church and say, oh, we don't like that. You're not wearing a suit. You're not honoring God. God's going to ask you one thing when you get to heaven. He's going to ask you, did you love? That has nothing to do with wearing hats or suits. You see, they wanted to come into the church of Antioch and begin to tell people how to run the church, how it should function. Oh, I don't agree with how this church is being run. I, I don't all oh, that ministry. I don't agree with how they're doing that ministry. And they have what's called a critical spirit. They're not speaking it in love. See, anyone could come at any time to the leadership of the church. And, and they could say, well, I have a, a great suggestion of how this could work better. Or let me tell you what God showed you. What, what God showed me about how we could be more efficient. How we could make the sound better. How we could, how we could run things in a better way. But it's all got to be done in love. We value that input, but we don't value a critical spirit. People coming in with, with anger and judgment and beginning to point fingers. Oh, we don't do it this way. That's not how you run a ministry. That's not what a church should be doing. Well, these guys came into the church. He came into Paul's church, 
and started, and they try to pull this stuff on him. So I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 5, and see how Paul responded to it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 5, here's Paul speaking. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of God may, might be preserved for you. I love that scripture. All the blood we poured into this church, all the tears, all the hard work, and now you're going to come in and you're going to begin to point fingers and tell us what we're doing wrong. He said, not for a moment am I going to tolerate that. He refused to allow them to destroy what was built, the freedom that took so many years to achieve. And here come these critics. You know where you find them? If not in church, you find them on Facebook. Yeah, it, it, this way they could hide. I'm going to go now to verse 6. As for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism they added nothing to my message. What did he say? You could walk into the church and you could be the reverend, doctor, rabbi, so-and-so. And if you're here to criticize, if you're here to point fingers, tear us down, then we have no room for you here. I'm not going to listen to you. Sometimes people come. Oh, but that's not what my old pastor said. Oh, the pastor from my old church, he did it a different way. See, we're not moved by man. Sometimes, you know, I like to stand in the back. And sometimes on Sunday, you get a guy walking in or some big shot from somewhere. And he walking, you know, walking in like, like he's somebody. And he come up to me. Where do I sit? Where's my seat? In other words, where's the big shot section in this church? You know what I tell them? You go sit anywhere. You see, we don't come here on Sunday to honor men. We come here to honor God on Sunday. God doesn't look more highly on one person than another. And if I don't care who they are. If you're going to tell me that, that I'm not free in Christ, that I can't dance, that I can't prophesy, I'm not free, I can't worship, that I got to go back to wearing a suit. I don't care how many titles you got before your name. Because what did the scripture say? God doesn't show favoritism. I'm not impressed by God, guys with big titles. You see, now I'm going to get to Peter, being that we're following Peter. Now, all of a sudden, Peter came into this church in Antioch. And you would think he would be ready for the battle. Remember, I just want to give a short recap. We've been going through his life the last few months. But remember, at one point, he told Jesus, he said, if everyone else walks away from you, if every other one of your disciples abandons you, I'm going to be the one to stand. 
But what happened? When the robber met the road, when Jesus was arrested, Peter gave in to fear and he denied Jesus three times. Then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2 came. The power of God fell. And all of a sudden, Peter was a changed man. All of a sudden, he stood up. He looked death in the face. He looked angry mobs and crowds. He stood up with no fear, and he began to preach. Well, wouldn't you think that, it, that Peter, he would begin to confront these religious guys trying to tear down the, the true kingdom of God? See, Peter himself, he walked in freedom. He was free from those old Jewish rules and rituals. But one of, and one of those rules was that Jews would, would, could not associate with non-Jews or eat with them. Why? Because in the Old Testament, God had chosen the Jewish people to carry his word, and he told them to separate from the rest of the nation. So they sort of made rules that we're not going to associate with the idol worshipers around us. But in Jesus, the, every dividing wall has been broken. The scripture says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, man or woman. Everyone is equal and one in Christ. There's nothing except for, for the works of religion and man that divides people anymore according to race, according to culture, or economic group. That wall of division was broken in Christ. And Peter, he sat and ate with anyone. Well, this became a big issue. I'm gonna go down to verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, Paul said, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? What was Paul saying? He went to Peter, who had given in. He didn't stand for his conviction, this mighty man of God. And Paul said, this isn't you. You are God's man of power for the hours. You, you, you were whipped and beaten. You faced angry crowds, death and prison. You are a model example. That's not who you are, Peter. 
Because Peter, it says that he became a hypocrite. We like to throw that word around. What does it mean? A hypocrite means I'm one way in the church, and then I'm another way when I leave the church. When I'm in the church, I act all nice to people. As soon as I leave here, I start cursing people, being abusive. Or it means that I act differently depending who I'm talking to. See, that's hypocrisy. And the other, the other Jewish people who were in the church, they saw Peter's hypocrisy, and they all began to follow along. Even Paul's partner, Barnabas. When Peter, all of a sudden, the guy who was free, he, he, when the religious people were in the church, when the critics came, he stopped eating with the non-Jewish believers. He let other people determine who he was going to be. You see, sometimes all it takes is one person to tear down a whole church. All of a sudden, just that one person, Peter, in his hypocrisy, he began to pull everyone down with him, and it's the same thing in your life. You've got to be careful who you let speak into your, into your mind. You've got to be careful who you're partnering with. Yes, we can hang around with anyone on some level. We've we got to be a friend to the sinner. But you can't just let it take counsel from anybody. It, all it takes, you hook up with one wrong person, and they'll trash you. They'll bring you crashing down with them. Be careful. This isn't only for, for the church. This is also for you personally. Watch who you follow, who you connect to. And Paul went, and it says, I confronted Peter right to his face. You see, he couldn't have done that today. Because if he would have confronted Peter to his face today, that's where the excuses begin to start. Oh, well, nobody's perfect. I, I'm only human. We all make mistakes. Who are you to judge? You know what? I thank God when somebody loves me enough to tell me, well, what you're doing is not what God would want you to do. What you're doing is wrong. Yes, it's true, we're all going to fail and fall short, but never be content to live in that place. Never make excuses. Excuses will just keep you stuck. You see, we don't want to walk around in pride. We want to be humble. It, and I'm talking about people who come to you in love. I'm not talking about the gossips, the people who just like to tear everyone up. But I'm talking about when somebody you respect, somebody who loves you comes to you and saying, you're headed the wrong direction. Don't just say, who are you to judge me? Don't make excuses for yourself. Say, thank you. Thank you for telling me. I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to ask him, and I'm going to change my life if I need to. Never be content living below God's best. You see, God's trying to take you to a place of greatness. 
and he'll put people in your life who love you and, and people who want your best. And when they tell you that, that the things you're doing are harmful or destructive, don't just write them off. You see, he, he went right to Peter, right in his face. What you're doing is wrong. Sometimes, that's, sometimes it says in Proverbs that the wounds from a friend is better than the kisses of your enemy. Thank God that when God puts people in your life who make you accountable. You see, the problem with Peter, the great man of God, the, guy, the one that was thrown into prison and still came out and, be, and still preached the gospel. He was whipped, beaten for the Lord. Nothing could stop them. But all of a sudden, when these religious people came into the church, he forgot who he was. See, sometimes people will use fear and intimidation and control against you. Do not give in to that. You don't let people intimidate you into being something that you're not. He forgot that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He forgot he was a child of the king, and he went back to the fear of man. He went back to that time when he said, I don't know Jesus. He denied him three times. See, that could happen in your walk. I've seen it many times. I've struggled with it myself. I want to be consistent. I want to keep moving ahead. I don't want to keep going back. Oh, people tell me, oh, well, we take five steps forward and ten steps back. I don't want that anymore. I'm not going back. There's nothing back there for me anymore. Isn't that what Pastor George preached last week? There's nothing back in the past. I'm not willing to waste one more year. I'm older than most of you. I've wasted more years of my life than most of you here. I'm not willing to waste one more. I'm not going ten steps back. I'm taking a stand. You see, all of a sudden, Peter was afraid of what people thought of him. But look what Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You're here on earth for one thing, to please him. I don't care if nobody else likes where I'm going. Yes, I'll listen to wise counsel, but I refuse to listen to the haters. I can't afford anymore to, to fear man what they're going to think. See, in my minister, personal ministry of interpreting dreams and the prophetic. I tell people I hear from God and I get mocked all over the place. God doesn't speak to you anymore. 
Who do you think you are to hear from God? God doesn't speak in dreams anymore. You could tell me anything. You could laugh. But I know the mission that God gave me, and I'm not going to spend one more day of my life being afraid of what people are going to think. It's, that will destroy your, the vision for your life, your destiny, your purpose. If you're worried, how are you going to fit in? What are people going to think of me? You see, here, here's the lesson. No matter who you are, who or what tries to stand against you, and in this life, there's going to be a lot of obstacles. Pe people are going to try to stand in your way. The, the enemy's going to try to keep you from moving ahead. No matter who tries to stop you, here's the lesson of this whole story from Peter. Don't forget who you are. You see, all of a sudden, Peter forgot. He forgot the miracles, the people being raised from the dead, the sick bodies being healed, the angel that came to bust them out of jail. All of a sudden, he was this nice, quiet, whimpering little boy. Okay, I'll do whatever you want. Remember who you are. Remember who God made you to be. Here, here's what the scripture says that you are. You are an overcomer. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a citizen of heaven, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You are more than a conqueror. That's every one of you. You are not a loser. It doesn't matter how people have treated you, what they've told you. You're not a good for nothing. You're not a failure. That's not your identity. And if People can make you feel that way like they did to Peter. All of a sudden, you're going backwards, 10 years back. All the progress Peter made over 10 years, there he is back to the beginning. I don't know, Jesus. I've seen powerful ministers through the years who do, did great and mighty work, and all of a sudden, they forget their true identity. They forget who they are, and before you know it, they're running off somewhere with someone they met on the Internet. They forgot the power. They forgot. They forgot their status as child of the king. You are royalty. The, the lesson is do not forget it. All it takes is one day. All it takes is one weak moment to forget who you are and you could set yourself back like Peter. Then we got to start from square one again. Don't let that happen to you. Don't allow people to bring you down to their level. I see that happening so much among the people of God. 
You start hooking up with people or listening to people. People intimidate you. You want to please them. And instead of bringing them up to what you, where you are, all of a sudden you try to come down to meet them down on their level. Don't let anybody do that to you. That, that's not who you are. It says, I know this is Pastor Miguel's favorite scripture, but in Galatians, going down to verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what that means? There's no more limitations on you. It's not you who live anymore. You can be everything you need to be in every situation. In church, as a parent, in work, if you're going for a job interview, you can walk in with your head held high. Oh, but I'm not good in those situations. I'm too shy. It doesn't matter if you're too shy. It's no longer you who live. It's Christ who lives in you. You can walk up to anyone in this world and stand and look them right in the face. They might be great, but you're just as great because you've got the greatness of God shining through you. You can be everything you need to be in every situation. Oh, but I don't like confrontation. So you just give in to people. You let people bully you, push you around. By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the same anointing that's here in the worship in the church, you carry that same anointing wherever you go. You can stand up to any bully. Anyone who tries to manipulate or control you or to cause you to be something that you're not, you don't have to give in. I don't care how much you hate confrontation. Because if you don't do something about it, sometimes you deserve what you tolerate. Sometimes you got to take a stand. I don't care if that's who you are naturally or not. You are no longer natural people. You are supernatural. All you need is a cape. What does that mean? It means I could come into any situation and be what I need to be in the moment, whether or not that's who I usually am. One thing I personally hate to do is talk, go up to talk to people I don't know. And the natural, you could give me a million dollars, I won't go outside and go up to people and talk to them. But sometimes they've gone on outreaches where we go to tell people about Jesus and I gotta just walk up to strange people. Maybe they won't like me. Maybe they'll tell me to get lost and they have many times but it doesn't matter if naturally I'm a shy person. I don't like interacting with strange people because I, I don't go on my own. I go clothed with the Holy Spirit and power. And that I can walk up to anyone in the street. 
Stop putting limitations on yourself. If, if, if you're not so, someone who likes to talk in front of people and you get an opportunity where it requires speaking to a group of people, you don't say no. You can do it. You can be anything that you need to be. There's, stop letting anything, I'm having a mindset that somehow I'm limited by my past. I didn't grow up that way. I can't do that. I didn't go to college. None of that matters if you're in the kingdom of heaven. See, Peter, he forgot that. All of a sudden, he was trying to do things in his own, trying to withstand these people by his own power, and he became like, like a little baby. Oh, you don't want me to eat with these people? I don't care. I'll offend them if it makes you happy. The great Peter, who we're putting all these weeks talking about the great Peter. Here he was in his greatest, one of his greatest failures at the end. Not in the beginning, at the end. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want even one of you here. So many of you, you've made so much progress. You've been walking forward. Little by little, step by step, by the grace of God. Don't let anything in this world cause you to lose that. And, and then we got to start praying and go back to step one. Let's just keep building. Let's keep going. We, we want to do something for God. Don't allow any situation to take you out of character. L listen to this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But as for you, speaking to Christians today, I'm speaking to you today. But as for you, be clear-headed in every situation. Stay calm, cool, and steady, the scripture says. You'll be the same person that you're here is the same person when you go to work tomorrow. The way that you treat your wife here is the way you treat your wife when you go home. Whatever you can't do in front of Pastor George, you can't do it out there either. You want to walk steady before God. You want to make it to the end. Why? Because you've got something to accomplish. There are great things that God has given you to do. And most of you, I'm going to say most of you can't even picture it in your mind because you're thinking, that's too big for me. Let me just settle down here. I'm not going for the big. I'm not going to follow my dream. I can't do that. I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have that background. That's not the right godly attitude. The right godly attitude is bring it on. Any confrontation, any challenge you want to throw at me, I am more than enough to meet it. In, in Matthew chapter 16, you might remember the story Pastor George had spoken about with Peter. And Peter, he came to Jesus, and, and 
And Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And in Matthew 16, 18, because Peter had recognized who he was, Jesus said, And I say to you that you are Peter. The word name Peter means rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On that word of faith that he spoke, that I am the Messiah, that you are the Messiah, you are the Savior, on that word I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm not talking about a building. This building is not the church. You are the church. And you know when you go to church? Everywhere you go, you're in church. And it says, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you, against each one of you personally. Any, anything done against you, any strategy by coworkers, by bosses, people, family members trying to get together to mess you up somehow, Whatever it is, it will not work. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And the gates of hell will not prevail. It will not work. See, whatever situation you're facing today, no matter how overwhelmed you might feel, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I want you to see that situation from heaven's point of view. And in heaven's point of view, the battle is already won. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth was given to me. How much does that leave the devil? Nothing. You know where the authority is? It's in you. You got the fullness, the fullness of the power of God living in you. And that's how I want you to leave today. I want you to live your life in that power. And I want you, I want you to live your life making up your mind. No circumstance, no bully, no hater, no jerk is gonna determine what I do, where I go, or who I am. So here's how I want to close today. First, I'm going to ask if everyone could stand. And the first thing I want to ask Pastor Miguel with the healing ministry to come up here on, the, on my right. Because as I was envisioning the service today, I heard the Lord say that he wants to, he wants to show forth his power and do some healing miracles. So... If you're sick in your body, you have pain, or you want to stand in for somebody else, when we begin to pray, if you could just come over on this side where Pastor Miguel is. And I also want to ask, I, I believe there's a few people in here before we close. I believe there are a few of you that you're facing a situation you're facing something in your life and you feel weak to handle it. Something overwhelming to you. 
Well, we want to pray for you right now. So I'm just going to ask, if that's you, I believe the Lord showed me there would be a few of you here today. You're facing something in your life, something at work, a financial crisis, something in your life that every time you think about it, you feel overwhelmed. It, it feels like this is just too much. Well, we want to pray for you also today. We're believing, God, that you're going to stand up under it, that you're going to overcome. Nothing's going to tear you down. Nothing can work against you. You are strong. You are powerful. You are mighty in him. So just comment, and I'm going to ask those in the prayer team if you could please come and help me to pray quickly. You know who you are. Don't forget who you are. You are prayer warriors. We need you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God. I release right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, mighty signs, wonders, and miracles. I release right now the grace of God to work mightily in Jesus' name. Let's worship him. Hallelujah.